Welcome to the Faith Talk podcast. We're excited you are listening today. Prepare to be challenged and inspired through today's episode. We pray that every fear is dispelled and your faith is increased as you hear the word of God. Now, let's listen in with our host, Caleb Schaefer. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You are to be presented to God daily as a sacrifice. You are a living being, but you present yourself to God as a sacrifice. You lay yourself on the altar of worship. You lay your flesh down every single day before God, and you say, God, I am a living sacrifice. I give myself to you, and God, I want you to use me as you will. I want you to make me what you want me to be. I want you to do with me what you will. And it takes laying down ourselves. It takes laying down our pride. It takes humility. It takes us uh, restraining our own wants and desires in order that we can lay ourselves down and say, God, what is it that you want me to do today? What is it that you want me to be today? How do you want me to grow today, God? And so we can't always pick and choose what we want to do. Sometimes uh, when you lay yourself down on the altar for God, and you live that life of sacrifice, God's going to ask you to do some uncomfortable things. He's going to ask you to do some things that stretch you and grow you. And God is going to use you to reach out to people. Every single person in here, we should all be asking God, God, who can I speak to? How can I minister to someone? How can I help someone out today? And so it takes us laying ourselves down for us to be able to do that. And, and living a, a life of sacrifice to God is so important for the Christian because in this world that we live in, we're all taught the opposite. We're all taught that we do what we want to do, that we do what makes us happy, that we live according to our own wants and our desires and however we feel, whatever makes us feel the best, that is what we do. And the Bible says that we're to live exactly the opposite of that and we're to lay ourselves down and say, God, what do you want me to do? God, where do you want me to go? God, I know I have my own plans, and I know I have my own dreams, but God, what is it that you want from me? Because God, I want to be a living sacrifice for you. And then the next verse says that we are not to be conformed to the world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not to, we're not to blend in with the world. We're not to blend in with it. We're to be different. We're to be strange. Some people say, praise the Lord, because I've been feeling a little strange lately. I've been feeling like I don't fit in in this world very much lately. I've been feeling like I, I don't agree with everything that's going on in the world right now. And I feel like everything's going crazy. Everything's going haywire and things are happening that I, I just, it grinds against my spirit all the time. And, and so I can't be conformed and I can't agree with what the world's doing. I can't, no matter who puts their stamp of approval on it, God, no matter if the government approves, 
approves of it or if, if celebrities approve of it or if big name preachers approve of it. God, what your word says is what I've got to live. And so God, I can't be conformed to this world. I've got to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. How do I renew my mind? I get in the word of God and I renew my mind. I see people who are who are starting to follow down this trail of, of believing the things that the world is saying is okay. They're, they're following down these paths where the government says it's okay and certain churches are saying it's okay. And so I'm going to just start believing along with them that certain things are okay. And the Bible tells us exactly the opposite. And so when I see people who start to slip and start to go down these paths, I know that they're not in their word the way they should be. I know that they're not studying, they're not reading the way that they should be because when you get into the Word daily and when you keep your mind focused on the Word, it renews your mind. We all have carnal minds. We all have worldly minds. But the Bible says that we're to have the mind of Christ on the inside of us. We're to start thinking like Christ. And when we start to think like Christ, we'll start to act like Christ. And there are so many people who don't renew their mind. And when you don't renew your mind, you get into a dangerous, dangerous, slippery slope because when the word of God is not in your mind, other things will start to fill that. Other things will start to fill the void in your mind. Your mind is going to be filled with something. And if it's not filled with the word of God, if it's not filled with faith and it's not filled with hope and love, it's going to be filled with the things of the world. It's going to be filled with negative thoughts. It's going to be filled with all sorts of, of filthy things that the world wants to fill your mind with with. And so we've got to renew our mind with the word of God. We've got to renew our mind with the word of God. And this all leads to repentance. Repentance for a Bible-believing, faith-filled believer should be a regular thing. Repentance for us should be a regular thing thing. It should be a natural occurrence. When the slightest misstep occurs in our life, it should cause our conscience to spark and we should, we should be willing and, and want to repent right at that very moment. R repentance involves a change of mind. Repentance involves a change of mind. A lot of people think that they just apologize to God for their sin, and that's repentance. But repentance involves a change of mind. Because if you don't change your mind about what you did, you will never, ever fully repent. Because you'll go back and do it again. You got to change your mind. You got to change your mind. God, I thought that was okay, but it's not. God, I can't do that ever again. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So that if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, 
He is none of his. See, we've got to get our mind off of carnal things, and we've got to get our mind on the spiritual things. We've got to begin to think with the mind of Christ. Repentance involves changing our minds about the things of God, the things that he has already made up his mind about. God is not confused as to what he believes about sin. God is not confused as to what he believes about the lascivious lifestyles that this world is condoning right now. God is not confused as to what he believes about killing babies. God is not confused as to what he believes about the homosexual agenda. God is not confused about any of it. The church is confused because the church doesn't renew its mind. The, the church is con so confused that we have one, one church that will preach totally against it and another church that will ordain ministers and go on marches for these agendas. One church is preaching against abortion while another church is down at the abortion clinic supporting the ladies. I saw a video, some guy confronted a woman who had just driven another lady to an abortion clinic and he said, who are you? And she said, I'm her pastor. What a crazy messed up world we live in. We've got to renew our minds so that we know when things are right and when things are wrong because God is not confused about any of it. We need to find ourselves agreeing with God about those things and changing our mind about those things whenever it's necessary. Sometimes it's necessary for us to change our mind. As we grow, as we learn more, as we spend more time with God, God will require more of us. And it might not just be some major sin that he wants you to stay away from. He might tell you, you're not to watch TV in the evenings because I want you to spend that time with me. He might tell you something crazy to go do that if you will do it, he will bless your life beyond anything you could have ever imagined. But we've got to be attuned to his ear and we've got to be able to change our mind on behaviors. So we've got to first change our mind. Second, we've got to change our behavior. Turn your behavior around from the direction that you've been going. Romans 26 says, rise and stand up on your feet for I have appeared unto you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of these things which you have seen and of those things in the which I will appear to you delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Sometimes we got to turn our minds and our behavior. That's part of repentance. Part of repentance. Because if you just change your mind and you don't change your behavior, you're doing the same thing, but you're confused. God is not the author of confusion. Romans 26. Romans 26, 16. Change your mind, first of all, and then change your behavior. If we change our behavior, the Bible says the blood makes us blameless. 
Romans 3, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he may be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. If you've repented of sin, you've turned toward Jesus with all your heart. When God looks at you, he no longer sees you, but he sees the blood of his son Jesus Christ that is repentance when you change your mind you change your behavior then God looks at you totally differently than he looked at you before you repented we've got to have repentance in our life as a result of repentance and faith toward God the Bible says we're blameless before him because the blood of Jesus sets us free we are guilty but we are blameless we're guilty of the crime but he lets us off the hook and says that we're not to blame for it. Every penalty and every stain has been washed away in the blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful for that tonight, but it only comes through repentance. It only comes if we turn ourselves away from what we were doing and we turn towards God. We can't just say we're sorry keep on go, going and doing the same things. We've got to turn. You've got to have a changing of your mind and a changing of your behavior. That is true repentance. Yes, repentance involves feeling remorse. Yes, repentance involves feeling sorry for what we've done, but true repentance comes through a changing of your mind and a changing of your behavior. Then the faith walk after repentance will lead us to be a true witness of the gospel. People in America, people in the United States of America do not get saved because no one's witnessing to them. The church has become so complacent and so comfortable sitting in our pews on Sunday morning that we do not witness to people. We do not reach out to people. We do not cry out to God for the lost. We don't ask people, will you come to church with me? We don't tell people about our testimonies because we are not comfortable in our own faith walk. We're not comfortable. I talk to people all the time that say, I don't know how to talk to people about the Lord. I don't know how to talk to people about what he's, about them getting saved. And I tell them, well, just, just start telling people what the Lord has done for you. That peaks, that sparks people's hunger. That sparks people's thirst for him. That if you tell people what God has done in your life, how he's saved you, how he's healed you, how he's turned some things around, and you don't have to just go. I'm not talking about, there are a lot of people who think that evangelism is this. Do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Yeah, that is not true evangelism. True evangelism is developing some sort of a connection, some sort of a relationship with people, and then beginning to talk to them over time about the Lord. It is beginning to speak to them about how he's changed your life, how he's turned your life around. And the best way that we can be, we can evangelize people is to be a living example before them. It might take you weeks, months, years to reach certain people, but if you will be a faithful missionary wherever God has sent you, if you'll 
be faithful wherever he sent you and live the life. I'm not talking about going and, and drinking with them on Saturday night and then on Monday telling them how good church was on Sunday morning. I'm talking about if you will live the life and if you will be consistent and you will constantly speak your faith and let them know how you believe and how God is working in your life, people will receive. But we've got to be willing to be witnesses to people. We've got to be willing to reach out and step out in faith. Do you know that the same word that we get witness from in this in the Greek is the same word that we get martyr from? Witness and martyr come from the same root word in the Greek. What does that tell you? That tells you that there's risk involved. That tells you that you might not always get the best response. You might get some persecution if you go and witness, but if you will witness, God will honor it because it's God who's looking on anyway. And the end goal is not always getting someone saved because the Bible says that one plants and another waters, and then God reaps the harvest at the end of it all. And so you might just be the seed planter. Somebody might not be ready to get saved saved right at the second that you witness to them, but later on down the road, somebody else is going to come along and witness to them, and somebody else is going to come along and tell them a story about how God did something for them, and then at the end of the day, God's going to get the harvest, but it takes time, and it takes faith to be able to go out and witness. See, God didn't just save you so that you could come and warm a seat. God didn't just save us so that we could come and be good Christians and, and sing a couple songs and put some money in the offering and then go home at the end of service. God saved us because when we become Christians, the, the word for that is little Christs. That is what it literally translates to. So if you are a Christian, you are to be a little Christ. Jesus didn't, didn't go around not telling people about the kingdom of God. Everywhere Jesus went, he was a witness to the kingdom of God. He was a witness to what God was doing. He was trying to reach people for the kingdom. In the first century, the word witness simply meant someone who could produce proof that what they were saying is true. When you go to court, hopefully you don't have to go to court, but if you go to court, what are they called to the stand? They call a witness. Why? Because a witness is someone who has an experience with you. The, the witness is someone who knows something beyond just the, the, the face value of what they're looking at. And so they call a witness to the stand because a witness has information. A witness can vouch for your character. A witness can speak to things that you've done. And so when you go and you have a witness, that's what you're to be for God. You're to be a witness here in the earth. You're to say, God has changed me. I've experienced his power. I've seen what he can do. I know that he heals bodies. You're sick. I know that God can heal you. Well, how do you know that God can heal me? Because I've seen him heal other people. He's healed me. He's touched me in my body. He's healed my mind. I know that he's a healer, but we've got to have the faith to be able to go out and witness. And in growing our faith, God is going to require of us that we begin to talk to some people. We begin to share our faith with some people. Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive. And if we believe that, then we should be telling people. We should be letting people know, hey, our God is alive. He's, he's alive and he's well. He's doing real good things right now. 
They killed him. They tried, to, they tried to put him in a grave once, but he's no longer there. And he's doing great things in my life right now as we speak. When we, when we say that Jesus is alive, we can do the same things now that he was doing during his earthly ministry when he walked the shores of Galilee. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was preaching the gospel to the poor. He was bringing comfort to those who were in the valley of the shadow of death. We should be doing that in everyday life. We should be doing that. So we've got to strengthen our faith to the point that people will receive. So we've got to repent and we've got to be a witness. The third thing our faith walk helps us to do is to overcome the world. Praise the Lord. Because there's a lot in the world to overcome. There's a whole lot going on out there that we need to overcome. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. John 16, Jesus said, in this world, there's going to be tribulation. Anybody experiencing some tribulation right now? I know I've got some tribulation I'm experiencing right now. I believe that everybody in here is experiencing some form of tribulation here in the world. There's trouble on every side. There's turmoil on every side there's fighting there's there's bickering and there's just all this everything the devil's threatening making making people believe things that aren't true it's crazy what's going on in the world but Jesus said I have overcome the world and that's why we need faith because even in the midst of trouble we can be of good cheer knowing that the one we serve has overcome the world he didn't say you would never have trouble he said in fact you will have trouble. He didn't promise that everything was going to be rainbows and roses and everything was going to be great. He said, listen, if you follow me, there's going to be problems. There's going to be big problems. Some people say, I got a big problem right now. I got something I don't even, I don't even, if I told you about it, you wouldn't even believe it. But Jesus said that in all of this, we could be of good cheer because he has overcome whatever we're up against. He's already overcome it. And so we can thank God for comfort and consolation that he has overcome it. And he's right in the midst of the trial with us. There are pits. There are deep sunken places that we come up against in life. And this is in the first chapter of your book. There are things that we come up against in life that are pits. Can I tell you what a pit is? They're a dark place. They are deep and they are sunken. They are not designed for humid habitation. Pits are dangerous. In biblical times, they were used as traps to ensnare an enemy or to catch an animal. Pits were huge, seemingly unescapable holes in the ground, the deepest, darkest parts of the earth. They are not desirable and they are not survivable. If you get stuck in a pit, if someone throws you in a pit, they, you've got to have someone else come along and pull you back out. Somebody, have you ever seen the people that get stuck in the caves? The people who, these hikers, they go hiking and they go a little bit too far and they get stuck in a cave or they fall in a hole and then they have to go and rescue them because they can't get out themselves. Some, some woman was just was just hiking and they just found her not too long ago she was stuck because she she got she was out hiking and she just got stuck I forget what all she had to eat berries I think berries and who knows what else but she was stuck 
If you get into a pit, you can't get out yourself and someone has to come rescue you. But can I tell you today, today's pits are temporary. You might feel like you're in a pit right now. The pits are dirty, they're cold, they're dark, they're dangerous, they're filled with all sorts of threats and, and critters that, that you, you just don't want to be around. There's, there's ugly worms and there's, there's snakes and there's spiders in the pits. And you feel like you just, you're just surrounded by all these terrible things in these pits. But can I tell you today that today's, the life's pits that we deal with are temporary. They're temporary. You don't have to stay down, bogged down in the muck of life forever. Like Joseph, Joseph was cast into a pit by his brothers. Like Joseph, you might be in a pit and convinced that there's no way out. But there was a way out for Joseph and there was, there's a way out for you. There was a reason that Joseph was in that pit. There was a reason that he was down there. There was a reason that Joseph had to go to Potiphar's house and stay. There's a reason for your pit experience. The problem is that most Christians don't have any idea what the reason for the pit that they're in is. We don't, we, we're in the middle of a trial, we're in the middle of a problem and we don't understand why we're in the middle of a pit. The problem is that we don't understand, but God has a word and he has a way out for you. As a Christian, you should expect bad days. Hate to bust your bubble. Hate to just blow the fan on the glory cloud that's surrounding you that you walk around in every day. You know, and people look at us up here on the platform and they, they really think that we just have it all together and that we're just, you know, we're surrounded by by uh, just angel bodyguards every day and nothing bad ever happens to us and we don't ever have a bad day. No, guess what? We all have bad days and we should expect bad days as a Christian. That's what Jesus said. He said, you're going to have bad days, but he said, don't fear, don't be dismayed. We should welcome bad days because it means the devil considers you enough of a threat or a nuisance to cause bad things to happen to you. You should say thank you for the bad days because apparently I'm on the radar of the devil and he's scared of me. He thinks I'm a nuisance so that he wants to try to hinder me. He wants to try to hold me back from the things that God has for me. He apparently thinks that I'm a big enough threat. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that I'm on the devil's radar and he's a little scared. God has a plan for you though. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not. In the middle of life's pits, in the middle of life's pits, we can have peace. We can have peace because we have faith. Because we have that faith in God, we can have peace. We've got to learn to walk in God's peace, trusting in him. When we're in the trial, God says, you're my child. I'll not allow the crackling flames to kindle upon you. We can rest knowing that God is not produced by mental reasoning. He's not, he's not, he's not affected by anything that goes on around us. This kind of peace is only from a supernatural perspective, a revelation of God on a different level than perhaps we've even known him before. God will come to us in the midst of our trials. He'll come to us in the midst of the pit and he will help us out. This kind of peace helps us from wanting God to kill the king when he tells you to go into the fiery furnace. Because that's the way that most Christians react. When bad things are happening, 
We look at the people who are causing the bad things, and we say, God, I just want you to take them out. God, just kill them. Kill them, God. Get them out of the way. I can't stand it. But we have got to, instead of looking at the people who are involved in the problem, because a lot of the time, people are involved in the problem. Let's face it, a lot of the time, the problems that we face all involve people. It might be, it might be something mental, and it might be something that we have going on where we have fear or we, whatever. It might be something internal, but a lot of our problems involve people. And a lot of people that we, inv that we have in our problems are involved in the church. A lot of church people are involved in a lot of problems. Everyone's laughing and nodding because you know it to be true. Your family is involved in a lot of your problems. And we can't ask God to just wipe out our family. We can't ask God to just go through the church. God, go through the church like you did the land of Egypt. Kill them all. We would like to. It's laughable. <laughs> not you Dina not you Dina <laughs> oh if you prayed that way yeah he might just but we have got to have the peace of God and that only comes through faith that only comes through building our faith that we stop looking at the people involved in the problem and we start looking to the one who can resolve the problem because for every problem there is an answer and the one who has it is the one that we need to go to we need to stop going to people for answers we need to stop going and calling people we need to stop fighting with people and we need to start hitting our knees and beginning to have the faith in the one who has the answer to the problem and I found that to be true time and time again you know a lot of the time when Whenever there's a problem, a situation that comes up, people's first reaction is to just go and to just grab somebody by the throat and just let them have it. Just to just to start smacking heads together and, and they just want to get mad and they want to fight. But what needs to happen before we do anything, before we take any sort of steps to try to resolve it, is that we need to go to God in prayer. We need to get with God and we need to allow our faith to be in the Lord because he has the answer. God will, will cause you to have such peace in the midst of a trial that you can stand at the furnace door and say, heat it up seven times hotter if you want to, because I know that the God that I serve is able to deliver me. And whether he does or he does not, he's still God. He's still on the throne. Whether God pulls me out of this uh, totally clean, whether I get off of this scot-free and there's nothing to worry about, or whether I end up down in the grave, I can tell you that God is still on the throne and I'm still going to serve him because he is God. God will provide for you a way out. No matter how deep your pit is, you have a promise from God that he'll remain faithful and true to his word. You got to feed your spirit you got to feed your spirit every day to help your faith grow. You've got to feed it. You, you, you are concerned every single day about what you're going to eat. You are. We're all concerned every single day about what we eat. Every Tuesday, 
You can mark it down. Every Tuesday, I get in here and I have a phone meeting. First thing on Tuesday, phone meeting. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. After the phone meeting, I look at Judy almost without fail and I say, I can't wait to get to Chick-fil-A. And I go down the road to do my church shopping and I go through the Chick-fil-A drive-through. We think so much about we, what we are feeding our flesh. Right now, somebody's thinking about what they're gonna eat as soon as they get out of here. There's food in the back. Mother Lydig just sent a text. Go back there and eat. There's hoagies and pizza after service. So you don't have to worry about what you're gonna feed your flesh after service. But we all think so much about what we're gonna feed our flesh. Some people have meals planned out for the rest of the week. Some of you know, Friday night, we're going out to eat. We all plan what we're gonna feed our flesh. Why don't we plan what we're gonna feed our spirit? Why don't we plan what we're gonna feed our spirit? Why don't we focus on what we're feeding our spirit man? Because what we feed our spirit man, we either cause our faith to grow or it's gonna cause our faith to be down in the dumps. It's gonna cause our faith to be strong or it's gonna cause our faith to be so weak and tired and sickly that we're not gonna have any sort of resistance when the devil tries to come against us. Do you remember the old commercials that said milk builds strong bones? When you're kids are little. You feed them things. You got, you, you got to eat your vegetables, little Johnny. I know you don't like broccoli, but you got to eat it. You just got it one bite. My grandma used to say, just one more bite, one more bite. You can do it. Just one more bite. And we worry about what we're feeding our flesh to make us strong and to give us nourishment. Let's start feeding our spirits so that our faith will grow instead of diminish. Let's start feeding our spirits the right things. God knows our needs. He'll make provision vision for his servants on the divine journey, but we have got to start to feed our spirit what it needs. We got to feed our spirit what it needs. And sometimes people don't even realize what that totally means. And I'm closing right now. People don't even realize what that totally means. But sometimes we've got to challenge ourselves We've got to challenge ourselves in the spirit. What does that mean? Sometimes we've got to take some steps beyond where we're at. Some of us have been drinking the milk for a long time. And it's time to start moving on to some meat. Some of us, some Christians are satisfied to stay on milk. If you let a baby, a baby would sit and drink the milk you put a little chocolate in it, they'll drink chocolate milk for the rest of their life and never ever try a vegetable. You gotta make your children eat some grown up food as they get older. You, gotta, you, you can't just let them eat cheese puffs for the rest of their life and little yogurt bites. You've gotta tell them, listen, you've gotta try some of this big people food. And sometimes in, the, in our Christian walk, we've got to do that. We've got to, you say, you know what? My faith feels like it's on a plateau. My faith feels like it's not really growing. Maybe I need to 
do something a little more than I've been doing. Maybe I need to get a Bible study. Maybe I need to get something that's going to challenge me. We've all got to challenge ourselves to do more and to do better. We do. We've, we, you got to challenge yourself. Disciplined people will challenge themselves. Disciplined people will challenge themselves to do better, to do more. If you are not disciplined, you'll just float through life and not worry, not have a care in the world. But a disciplined person will say, you know what? I want to grow and I'm going to do something more. I'm going to do something that scares me. I'm going to do something that helps me to grow so that I don't stay where I was. I don't, in six months, I don't want to be where I'm at right now. In six months, I want to be on another level. And then six months from that, I want to be on another level. We can't just stay where we're at because the challenges that are going to face us are getting stronger and greater than ever before. We're going to have to have faith for some things that are beyond what we've believed for before. Amen? We're going to have to have some greater faith in the days to come. The devil is unleashing an all-out attack. He really is. In the last month, two months, I've seen a greater attack on the body of Christ than I've ever seen before. On households, children. We've seen children that you wouldn't even imagine that are in the hospital that are sick just a whole list of them I, I could list you households that are under attack right now marriages that are under attack right now things that are going on all through the body of Christ that the enemy is trying to rip apart and trying to destroy and we're gonna have to have greater faith as we go through the days ahead because the closer we get to the time of Jesus return the more we're gonna see the enemy the enemy knows his time is short the enemy knows his time is is just about up and so it's just like a sprinter at the end of a race he's gonna go all the, all the faster that he possibly can he's just gonna let it all fly because he wants to totally dismantle the body of Christ so we're gonna have to have faith and we're gonna have to stand strong amen so let's build our faith let's feed our spirit the right things amen let's let's not put bad things into our spirit let's you know it's all right to have a, a spiritual chocolate bar every now and then but you shouldn't have a spiritual chocolate bar for every meal amen amen you can laugh at that that was a joke all right will you stand to your feet with me tonight hallelujah hallelujah father God tonight I thank you because God you're growing our faith and you're not gonna let us stay where we were God, every single day, we're growing. We're learning. Every single day, God, we're, we're experiencing more and more of your spirit and your glory in our lives. And so, God, right now, I thank you that you're making us into new creations. I thank you, God, that you are lifting us up higher. God, you're taking us from glory to glory as we study faith. You're helping our faith to grow. God, I pray that you would help us to believe you for even greater things than we've ever believed you for. God, that we're not just going to stay where we're at, but God, we're going to challenge ourselves in the spirit. And we're going to say, God, we want to grow. We want to grow and we want to be able to fight bigger giants than we've ever fought before. We want to be able to take more land than we've ever take before. God, we want to take back enemy held territory that's in our families, that's in our church, that's in our areas. And God, we believe right now that you're going to help us do it. So God, grow our faith. Grow our faith. 
Help us to stretch that faith muscle, to believe you. God, to not worry, to not fret. God, to not despair, but God, to believe you more than we ever have before. Help us, God, to study your word, to renew our mind every single day, to spend more time with you every single day, because God, that's what's gonna help us. We've gotta feed our spirit man more than we've ever fed him before. God, we thank you today because you're faithful and you're true. And God, as we take steps towards you, you're gonna take steps towards us. God, I thank you today for every single person in this room watching by Facebook. God, I pray that if there's anyone watching right now who doesn't know you, that they'll cry out to you and say, Jesus, I need you to save me. Forgive me my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me a child of God. And God, we believe that if they'll do that with a right heart, God, as they repent and as they turn, they're going to be saved. So God, tonight I pray blessings down over the watchers on Facebook. I pray blessings down on this congregation. And I pray that you'll keep us till we get back together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Faith Talk podcast. If you would like to connect with the host, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com Be sure to check out Caleb's worship albums on iTunes, Amazon Music and wherever digital music is sold or streamed. If you've been encouraged today, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. May God bless you and remember to tune in next week for another episode of the Faith Talk Podcast.